Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, I'll start on a light note, right? Because we're going to get to Proverbs and it's going to be pretty personal, but... Um, do you realize today is National Coffee Day? Yeah, some of you think that's every day. Today they're actually celebrating it, right? But somehow, like there's now these days for every day of the year, it seems like. Well, somehow my day was commandeered for a bad, bad reason. Like my birthday was just a week or so ago, right? And all of a sudden I wake up and the notice I receive is today is my birthday, National Pepperoni Pizza Day? I hate pizza. Ridiculous. It's a weird, ironic twist to my birthday. And now I can't even celebrate anymore. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I'm a pizza snob, and so that's why. So just, it's all right. Hey, in life, we've all made decisions that we've regretted. All right? Some are bigger than others, but we've probably said some things, we've probably done some things that w- we wish that we could have a do-over on. And you know what? With God, we are given a fresh start. Okay? With God he, and His grace, like we get a fresh start. Now, for the younger people in the room, This one should help you. I'm going to put it in context for you. I was told in life group this week in our small group that God's grace is like a respawn in a video game. Just press X, you get a new life. It's a do-over. It's not quite that way, but with grace and forgiveness, it is. Now the problem with that is it, it kind of stops there because sometimes decisions we've made have consequences, right? And those, some of those things, they, they remain even though the sins do not. But here's the deal. No matter where you find yourself in this study of Proverbs, and as we look at some things today that are maybe slightly personal, and I'll probably use a few more personal illustrations today than maybe I might otherwise. Because I think what we need to do is recognize that no matter where we are in life, Start fresh today. You may have not lived the most wise life and with as much wisdom as you would like to have. Start fresh today. Start fresh making wise decisions. Start fresh trying to live your life in a way of wisdom. We can all learn from that. And we all can learn and grow in our wisdom in order to be an example of those around us. You know, wisdom is one of the things that's somewhat hard to define, yet we, when we see it, we recognize it. And so the entire book of Proverbs is about gaining wisdom. And this morning as we get to a Proverbs chapter 3, which hopefully you read sometime this week, and there's a familiar verse in there that we'll get to, but we're going to start with 
the verses around it. We're going to start with Proverbs 3, verse 1. It says this, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then you will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. We start with verse 1. And, and, and the, the writer of Proverbs starts off with, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Now, never forget. How many times have we wished our children or our coworkers would remember the things we have taught them? I mean, you know, let's not just pick on children because, you know, they, they forget things at times. Right? How often do you have to repeat yourself? And it's hard not to get frustrated. If you were a boss in, in work and, and you were having to tell people to do things, how many times did you have to repeat yourself and wonder, why must I work with these people? A little bit like Moses. God, how long are you going to make me put up with these people? Where did they come from? You're like, all right. So, I mean, you think about it, but the, the writer of Proverbs is instructing his child, remember the things that you've been taught. He, he goes further and, and tells them to store the commands in their heart. Commit these commands to memory. Not just sayings to be repeated. It, it needs to be more than that. It needs to get rooted deep in within them. Not, like, I've known plenty of people who could repeat and could quote, in fact, chapters of the Bible but struggled to live them. You would hope that by memorizing, you would get loud to get deep in there, but, but there's something about just doing an exercise, and there's another about letting it penetrate our lives and living it. Look, I'm not suggesting we shouldn't memorize Scripture. In fact, you should memorize Scripture. But as you memorize, it ought to be also committed to that, to how do I live this Scripture Every part of Proverbs and every part of the Scriptures 
is built on our relationship with God. It's to be lived out of a relationship. It's to be lived in relationship with God so that we live the life of the Scriptures out in the world that we live in. So we learn from this first instruction. It says, my child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Verse 2 says, if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Now we all know people who have followed God, were living out their faith, but who died young. So we know that this is not a guarantee, but the principle here says that if we will store the commands of God, if we will store wisdom in our hearts, we will live longer and our life will be satisfying. It's giving you the opportunity to live a long life. It's giving you the opportunity to, to, as a whole, experience a satisfying life, right? So when we live life with wisdom, we're going to see more satisfaction. The next instruction goes with the first, and it says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. The the NIV reads, verse 3, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Loyalty and faithfulness, along with love and kindness. You get that. You understand it. So, you know, I had the privilege of doing a wedding recently, last weekend, and it happened to be our son. Um, so really cool, because that's the third boy of mine that's gotten married, and the third wedding I've done for my boys, which is really cool to be asked to do that, to be honored to perform a ceremony. It's not just a ceremony, it's a vow before God. But part of that is, I always ask, I always ask the question, do you have rings with which to seal these marriage vows? Right When you all of a sudden realize you've got this reminder here on the finger of a vow that was made before God and with another person. It's a vow of loyalty. It's a vow of love. It's a reminder that says it's not just for my spouse, but it's for my family and for others to recognize I've made a vow before God that I'm going to live out this promise, this vow. But, but, but it's not just about that. It's also about I'm going to let loyalty and kindness reign in my life. Right? Like, that's, like I don't want loyalty and kindness to leave me. I want them to be tied around my neck as a reminder. I want to have that as a reminder of my, uh, in my life that, that I strive for loyalty and kindness. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Even when your order gets messed up at the restaurant in about an hour. Yeah, we'll be out by then. Kindness is something that people will notice if we consistently show it. It's exactly the result that Proverbs tells us we will experience in verse 4. It says, then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn 
a good reputation. Look, I think it's safe to say that none of us wants to be known as the mean person. Right? I mean, you really don't want people seeing you coming and dreading they're going to interact with you. You don't want that. I mean, at least I assume you don't want that. I'm guessing we all have people in our lives that we would like to avoid. You're more spiritual than me, sorry. If all of your coworkers celebrate when you call in sick, they might be telling you something. But they probably haven't told you. But you don't want to be known that way. You want to earn a good reputation. You want people to celebrate who you are. Look, we had this really cool experience. Okay, yeah, the wedding, I referred to it already. That wasn't the only cool experience. The other cool experience of that wedding was Angela sat down at a table with some of Matt's co-workers, and Matt is our son that got married. Sat down at a table with some of Matt's co-workers, and one of the lady that Angela was talking to was his boss. And she began to say things to Angela about Matt. We all love working with Matt. He knows what he's got to do. He always does it. He's always happy, which Matt has always been happy. Give the kids some candy. He was great. Like, I'm just... He was always happy. In fact, he's loved at work, not just by his coworkers, but by some of the people that come into the, into the bank. In fact, there's one customer she was telling Angela about that would come into the bank and she doesn't see well. And she would come in and go to one of the other tellers and she would interact with them and they would say to her, because Matt was her favorite, it appears, Matt's here. Is he? i got to go see him, which is a funny comment, right? I mean, if you can't see well and i got to go see him, that's kind of a funny comment. But she would go over and want to say hi and interact with him. Look, that's the way you want to be known. You want to be known as somebody who has incredible character, who's kind. Because the next thing that she said to Angela was, you know, his character's pretty... You don't find character in kids his age like that. But they all knew he was turning 21 on Monday. The Monday before he got married. And they said, Hey, Matt, are you going to go out partying? No. No. No need for that. I just, it's not where I'm going. And when you think about that, like you want to be known as somebody who lives life differently. Right? Okay, so th- those are proud parenting moments. They are. I mean, in fact, in moments of you know, not so humble moments, when you hear those things, you go, 
Yes, my face should be on the Mount Rushmore of parenting. None of you would think that. I might have that thought. And then all of a sudden the thought hits me. Are you kidding me? Your wife deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore of parenting. Between God's grace and Angela, that's how the kids turned out well. If it's left up to me, they'd be wrecked. All right, that might be an overstatement. But God's grace is huge. Look, one of the things I've tried to do with the kids is I've tried to love them and never let kindness leave me. I've not did it perfectly. But you work hard. And look, some of you have incredible jobs in parenting children and they've not served the Jesus. I don't have an answer for you for that. I just am grateful for God's grace in my life that is, and, and, and to be able to see my kids serve Jesus the way they do. I'm grateful. Look, it, it, it is, yes, Angela, I've done some things right. We're not perfect and we're no better than you. All I know is I'm grateful for God's work in their lives. Look, part of that comes down to trying to do some simple things that are hard but consistent to honor God. And it continues on in verse 5 of Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. The result of that is He will direct your path. But trusting in the Lord is a combination of trusting in God and not doing everything on your own. Right? We all need to be at the place where we know our wisdom and our understanding is not enough. We, we need God's help in everything we do. Now, Melissa, this is not against you because you're way more qualified than I was. Okay? But I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I, I was, a few years ago, a um, former pastor of mine called me and asked me for a reference on a guy that many of you know named Jay Lucero. Well, Pastor Pettit calls me on a reference because Jay was going to, he was asking if Jay would come down and serve as his children's pastor. He wanted to ask me some questions. And so he asked me the questions in a reference on, on Jay and Janae and all that and, you know, how would they serve and all those things. It was a great story because he goes down there, Jay, you know, his children's pastor down there at Fossil Creek. And, and he, now, Jay, if you don't know, is, is, is now serving as senior pastor there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as well. But anyway... I get done talking to Pastor Pettit and I say to him, I just have one question for you. Nothing to do with Jay, but I have one question for you. What were you thinking? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, what were you thinking when you hired me? If I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have hired me. Why would you hire me? I knew nothing. The, the kids... The youth kids knew more about the Bible than I did. What were you thinking? Either you were crazy or 
you saw something and took a risk. And you were willing to pour into my life. I was completely unqualified. You know, honestly, that's actually a good place to be. When we recognize that we are not qualified, when we recognize that we have weaknesses, we're probably in a really good place. And we need to recognize we're still not qualified, even we maybe somewhat are qualified. Look, if we will understand that we will trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not depend on our own understanding, seek His will in everything we do, He then can direct our path. He can lead us. He can guide us. But if we think we've got it all together, if we think that we know everything, if we, we're like suddenly this you know, brilliant person, we're in trouble. Here's some questions to ask. And you know, when you're making, uh, trying to make godly decisions, here's some questions to ask. Number one, what does God's Word say? It's pretty simple. What does God's Word say? Like, don't start with any other question outside of what does God's Word say? If you're about to make a decision, if you want some wisdom, start with the Scriptures. <laughs> Step one. Number two, what does the Spirit say? What do you sense God speaking to you? It should line up with the Scriptures. Then what is God's Spirit speaking to you? And that's a good place to be. The problem with that is we all know people who have read the Scriptures, sensed God was telling them to do something that was totally not biblical. We are able to deceive ourselves. So I would encourage you in the midst of that, you can't live your life this way, like you can't always live for what godly people say, but you ought to ask also some trusted people, what do they say? Some godly people, what do they say? You need people around you who will help you make wise decisions. When you think you've got it all figured out, you might be in trouble. Once you run your decisions through that filter, and you still aren't sure, you can ask yourself questions like this. Is this the wise thing to do? We're studying Proverbs because it contains a lot of wisdom to apply to everyday life and situations and decisions. Another question to ask is, can I live with the worst case scenario? If I'm about to take on this, or I'm about to do this, What's the worst case scenario? Wait. Look, you can make small decisions that at the time look like they're nothing. But if it leads you down a path of destruction, you ought to worry about the first decision. Let, let's bring it down to like some of the stories that I've heard in my life in ministry. Like people that have gone on business trips. And, you know, they thought, what's the, what's the hurt of maybe a, a drink or two at dinner? And then it becomes slightly clouded thinking and make a wrong decision coming out of that. Because they have a couple more drinks, have a conversation with a lady, the conversation leads to more than that and destroys a marriage and a family. Right, right. You, you, 
it, it starts with a decision. Now, you, you can go through worst-case scenario, right? Worst-case scenario leads you here. And, and you can't live life with worst-case scenarios. You've got to live life with faith. But the truth be told, where is faith as we start to go to places we know are on the edge? Although we're strong enough, we got this. We, we know enough. Wisdom is often found in the decisions we make that no one ever sees. Verse 7 of Proverbs 3 connects well with those thoughts. Verse 7 says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Again, our wisdom should ever be increasing. We, we should constantly be looking to grow in wisdom. Don't ever get caught up in your own wisdom. There's a great example of that. His name is Solomon, who writes the Proverbs. Collection of saints. When we get caught up with our own wisdom, when we think we are, have got it all together, we've got so much wisdom, and we don't need other people, we are on the precipice of pride, and we all know that pride leads to and downfall. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Fearing the Lord isn't being concerned about being struck by lightning, which is a terrible, terrible example in this building, okay? I'm just telling you. <laughs> For those that you know, um, we've had a few experiences with being struck by lightning, so, you know, some days when there's severe thunderstorm warnings here, you might want to pray up before you get here. I'm just kidding. Because you can't be worried about that. Right? You can't be worried about being struck by lightning for a wrong decision. God's grace is bigger than that. But fearing the Lord, it's found in a relationship with God that recognizes His greatness, His love, His power, and His grace. Right? That's what fearing the Lord contains. It's all those things. And it says, if we will not be impressed with our own wisdom, and we will fear the Lord and turn away from evil, then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Again, we know people go through sickness who are following Jesus with everything they have. It, it's not a guarantee, but it's a push towards, if you will live a wise life, you will experience good things. Finally, in this portion of Proverbs 3, we finish with this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. It has a pretty good connection to Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. You know, trusting God is connected with honoring God with our wealth. Right? Like when we trust the Lord with everything we have, if we honor the Lord with our wealth, and with the best part of everything we produce, as Proverbs 3.9 says, that there's something about that that's a challenge to us. Right? If, you, if you struggle with stuff and the pursuit of stuff, one of the great antidotes to stuff is to give, is generosity. Generosity not just with your first things, with, with, but with everything. With everything we have, generosity 
matters. Lance and I, early on in our lives, uh, early in our marriage, like when we got married right away, we committed to giving 10% of our income to God. When giving that 10% was often scary. But we committed to doing it because we felt that's what God wanted us to do. And, and we see it in the Scriptures, and we see here that we honor the Lord with our wealth, and with the best part of everything we produce, it goes on and says, and it will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, I'm not telling you that if you give your 10% to, to God and you tithe, and then from then we didn't stop there, we started giving missions, and, and we give, so clearly, and this is somewhat personal, but I think as a leader we have to lead. And so when you give, you're not asking for anything in return. But you're living in the place of God's blessing. What does that look like? I don't know. Like it's not a, a guarantee that you're going to get all these things that you're, you're, you want. It is a guarantee that God is going to provide. It is a guarantee that He's going to meet your needs. It is a guarantee that He is going to see you through in the midst of things that you don't have other answers for. But He's going to walk with you through it. You may not get to, you know, drive the car that you really want. But part of the deal is, that's kind of the antidote to greed, is to give. Ansel and I have tried not to make our cars and our stuff, or our things, or ourselves, our God. Rather, we want to honor God with all that we have. We've seen God's blessing. I don't know why. Like, we've seen some crazy, cool things. Our house is an example. And we've endeavored in everything we have to give it to God and to use it for His glory. So the first thing we did in the house that we live in now, and some people tell you that God gave, you, gave them something, but... It comes with the responsibility to pay for it, and then they can't. God didn't give that to you. You decided you wanted it. In our case, we know that God gave us a crazy opportunity to purchase a house. That we paid less for than the house that was about 75% smaller than, like, yeah. And it was less money, and it was just crazy. The first thing we did to that house publicly was we had a water baptism in the pool. And we want to host small groups and we want to have people in our home and we want to bless people because God isn't good, right? And, and I don't understand that. I, I'm not telling you that if you give like that, God is going to give you a house like I don't understand. There's no reason other than God's grace and kindness to us. I'm not going to claim that, you know, that's I deserve that. I don't. But one thing I do know is we've tried to do something very simple. Combination of Proverbs 3 and Matthew 6. I'm not the smartest person in the world. I'm not the most gifted person in the world. I've learned one thing. One thing that I've tried to do really, really well. Have I failed at it? Absolutely. 
but I've tried to live pretty simply this principle. Found in Matthew 6. So don't worry about these things. Verse 31. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Look, I was smart enough to recognize early on in following Jesus. I didn't know the Bible as well as other people. I didn't have a bunch of talents. Look, I still can't clap on time. The only way I clap well is if I watch other people. If they're off, I'm off. But at least I'm with somebody. It's like a small group. I've never claimed I was anything amazing. I've tried to live one principle simply. Honor God with my life. Seek first His kingdom. Haven't done it perfectly. Never will. But I'm saying, and this is where it's a little personal. If you will understand those simple principles, the simple principles from Proverbs, if you will just trust God with your life, and, 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 and you can, look, I know it's crazy when you start to talk about finances with people. I, I just tell you what my experience has been. And when I've honored God with our finances, He's blessed us and provided for us all on the way. But we saw an incredible example of that. Angela in particular, because she grew up in their home. That was her parents. <laughs> um, honored God. It was an incredible example. Angela's parents were an incredible example for me as a new believer to see people who just trusted God with everything. And God walked with them through a lot of crazy on his job and all those things. Trust God with everything you have. He will not disappoint you. He will help you. He will bless you. So if you don't, right now, if you struggle with giving, one of the antidotes to that struggle is to give. I'm not asking you something crazy. You know, God is not going to ask you to empty your bank account today, right? I'm not, you know, notice we're not going to receive an offering here in a moment. Okay, well, I want you seriously to look at Proverbs. I want you to seriously look at the scriptures and go, God, where are places in my life that I need to work to become more like you? Where can I grow in wisdom that I might be more effective in my walk with you? More effective in my world so that I might have a good reputation. Right? For some of you, you give fine. You need to work on kindness, right? I mean, whatever, like whatever it is, there's not a single person in this room that can walk out of here and go, I got it all together. If you do, you're on the precipice of pride and you're about to pay for it, right? Just understand that all of us walk in here today even just different. We all have places to grow. We all need God's help. And so the question to ask as we close is, Lord, where's the place you want me to grow today? 
where's the place that I need your help to work on? Because if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's the place to start. Like the place to start is follow Jesus. You'll make a difference in your life. Once you're a follower of Jesus, every day it's about, Lord, what can, what can you work on in me today? How can I become more like you? So let's pray. Let's allow God to speak into our lives and the worship team is going to lead us in a song and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for your word, for the practical principles found in Proverbs. Lord, help us all to live life honoring you. Lord, that we will do what Proverbs 3 tells us, to, to never forget and that we'll trust you in everything we do, that we will honor you with our resources. That we'll not trust in our own wisdom, but we'll constantly be coming back to you and your word for injections of wisdom in our lives. That we will constantly be growing and becoming more and more like Jesus. Lord, help us, I pray. Lord, thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for speaking into our lives through worship, through a message of prophecy, for, for, through the message, through your word. Lord, thank you that you care about us and you speak into our lives. Continue that, Lord, in these couple moments and continue as we read your word through this week as we continue to look at wisdom from the Proverbs. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.